Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. What a weekend. In fact, what a year. What a decade. What a sesqui of golf it's been for New Zealand. But particularly uh, just this weekend, I was glued to my TV watching the wonderful Lydia Ko. In fact, it's on again now. The replay is on again now, winning the BMW in uh, the country of her birth in Korea. And it was a very emotional day for her. And uh, joining us on the show just to talk through golf and the situation that it's in in New Zealand is the High Performance Manager of Golf New Zealand. His name's Greg Thorpe. He joins us now. G'day, Greg. Hi, how are you? Very well. Do you get, like, I know you work in golf, but you're a sports fan, you're a Kiwi. Do you get as much delight out of watching the likes of Lydia win these tournaments as the average punter? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably uh, like to think even more so. It is, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly my, my role is in golf, but um, very much my life has been in golf. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty thrilling to see not just Lids, but, but everyone over the last weekend do so well. But like you say, it's been a great year as well. Yeah, it has. Like Steve Elker just blows me away with what he's doing and it's top quality fields, um, former major winners, and he, he's just got it on a string. What What's the key to Steve Elker, do you think? Is it is He's kept his body fit? What is it? Yeah, I think that's um, primarily the case. You know, like the, the fact is with the seniors too, I think the guys that are just turning 50 do have a leg up if they've kept themselves fit, and, and he certainly did. He kept playing through his through his forties and leading up uh, up to that transition. So he was he was you know he was playing with the young fellas who were hitting at a mile past him, but stepping up into that world, he was um, certainly match fit, ready to go, and he's making the most of it. We've talked a lot about Ryan Fox. Uh, I think potentially in the best um, consistent piece of form we've seen in him for probably what would it be, the last three or so months? Was it the Scottish Open that he won before the British Open? And ever since then, he's been going great guns too. Yeah, I mean, Foxy continues to step up each year and, um, you know, he's a, he's a great player to watch because it's, it's um, uh, you know, he brings something to golf that perhaps other people don't with the way he hits it, the, the distance he hits it. It's, it's, it's call it swashbuckling golf. Yes. Um, but when he's on, he's dangerous. Look, that, that last round, he'll be disappointed to let that... Um, last round just slip away on a little bit, but what a what a what a cool uh, weekend! And um, you know now now up well inside the top fifty. I think he's about twenty seven in the world, so just doing so well. And um, each year over the last sort of four or five years, he's progressed each year. So looking for that to continue. I want to talk to you about some of the youngsters out there. I mean, Dan Hilly is probably the highest profile non-major tour player at the moment. Looks like he's, I think he's seventh on the order of merit uh, for the secondary league on, on the European tour. So it looks like he'll get his card next year. He's going great guns. What have we got out there, I guess, between uh, US scholarship type university golfers and then the Ryan Foxes? How many fill that golf sandwich at the moment? 
Yeah, there's, there's um, I mean, Dan's obviously done very well taking the, the same route Ryan did through the Challenge Tour. He, he um, cut his teeth last year there, and he's really stepped up this year with uh, a couple of wins and uh, looking like securing his main tour card for next year. But Amelia Garvey's doing much the same over on the Women's Tour. She's been playing the Epsom Tour this year. Um, it didn't quite uh, make it into that, that um, sphere where Dan has, but she's made it into the final Q Series back in December. So she goes back to... Um, to play for her LPGA uh, card. So that progression that they're showing going into the feeder tours and then start stepping up into the main tours, it's proving to be a really good pathway for the young players. And, of course, we've just um, come off a run of our Charles Tour events back here in New Zealand, uh, and that's proven um, to be really beneficial for our young amateurs. We're playing alongside the likes of Michael Hendry and, and Josh Geary uh, with some of our young amateurs uh, competing in, and winning and beating some of those pros. So they'll be looking to make that step in the next year or two. And we've got some, you know, while there's some that are looking to transition now, we've also got some good juniors that are showing some real promise too. So it, it continues to be exciting times for us in golf. What sort of programs do you have uh, for school-age golfers that might want to push on and make it a career? Yeah, well, we, um, I mean, we have our, our, our national talent development program, and that does capture a number of the school age players. But also, each um, area we have uh, uh, talent development programs or opportunities for developing young talent within the regions. So, a number of events that we put on on our national order of merit. But of course, the regions themselves have their their programs that which we're we're plugged into and, and working away on. And someone's just text through actually asking, uh, could I please ask you, how can how can New Zealand golf help with Danny Lee's progress both physically and mentally towards the game, if at all? Uh, great question. Danny's got his own team around him, so he's he's not looking. Uh, you know, he hasn't he hasn't inquired in terms of of how we can help him. But I know he works hard on his game. For those that follow him on social media, uh, you'll see his coaching team around him, and, and he's working away. I know he. He'll be desperate to lift his performance. He, he really enjoys seeing Foxy play well, um, and I'm sure that'll be uh, inspiring him to, to work hard at his game. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's back on the, the PGA Tour this year and be working hard to, um, to climb up that leaderboard. What is your relationship with the likes of Ryan Fox and Danny Lee, these sorts of guys who are, who are pretty much self-employed, run their own business, which just happens to be playing golf? What, what I, I don't imagine there's a contractual-type link, but I know the ties are strong. Yeah, we'd like to think so. The um, Golf New Zealand runs a talent development program, but that's primarily targeted at the young, um, up-and-coming amateur golfers and then those looking to transition into rookie professionalism. So that was Danny and, and Ryan perhaps 10 years or so ago. Um, then once they do make that move, we have our Olympic campaigns, and that, that does allow us to, to remain connected while they do go offshore and, and tend to need to live, whether it's in the US or up over in, in Europe, um, to base themselves there. Um, we do still remain connected through through our relationships with them, the people around them, but but primarily for that um, those Olympic campaigns and, and working towards those every every four years or five years as it was last time last year. I remember back in my day when I played um, a lot of golf, and there was the. Um it was the much. It was they were like the golf mafia. They were the tightless squad, and they'd arrive in a minivan. And there was the likes of Steve Elker and Mark Brown and Sally Herowini, Grant Moorhead were all in this tightless squad. Um, have you got academies spread out? How do you identify? You know, just sort of towards the end of school, maybe early school, to keep them engaged and provide the best amateurs. Um, is there such a thing now? 
Yeah, and it's, um, you know, that, that program's lived on. That was in the late 80s, early 90s, the establishment of that program with those very players that, showing your age there, of course, but with those <laughs> very players um, that, that came through that time, that's remained in place um, throughout that time. And when, while they were, you know, it began as a domestic, um, I guess, national academy, uh, the Titleist Academy, it's now very much international, barring the, the COVID years, but we're back travelling internationally. Um, we've actually got seven uh, young men up in Thailand this week uh, playing for the Asian Amateur Championship and, and six of our, our leading amateur woman playing next week for the Women's Amateur Asia Pacific. So um, while they don't perhaps creep around the country in, in vans anymore, they're off uh, playing internationally and taking on their international peers uh, to see where their games are at and to see where the development opportunities are for them. What's the hunger and the appetite and the, and the desire amongst our 16, 17-year-olds? Because I'd imagine with scholarships to the US, um, there is a, a pathway over there for them to go and not play 100% of the time, but be in a really good environment. What are the numbers like? There's pros and cons. I mean, the, the, the US pathway, I think for those that are looking to couple up in education with their golfing development, it's a, a fantastic opportunity. And, and for those, for the right athletes, that's, that's a great option. Um, for perhaps some of the, the very best young amateurs, they do tend to stay amateur and turn professional um, via um, you know, heading to tour schools rather than via the, the US college system. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a you know, horses for courses um, opportunity. Dan Dilley is a good example, perhaps, of someone who just went straight from you know, being number one um, amateur in New Zealand, uh, playing some of the, the best golf courses around the world as a, as a leading amateur and being able to transition. So yeah, it's, it's very much um, just that case study of one, what's right for that individual athlete. Um, but there's, there's opportunities there. The hunger's there, I think. You know, New Zealand remains across the board. We, we, love, we love competing, we love winning. That's sort of a given. So anyone who jumps into that performance area, um, they all want to do well. So there's, there's the hunger there. But of course, there's a, there's a career in golf. You can see that with Steve Elker. You can toil away and do very well for the past 30 years. And then the opportunities, if you stay fit enough, are there you know, really deep into a career. So it's, golf's a great game in that regard. And finally, I, I know there was a surge in casual golf during the 18 months, two years of lockdowns, because it was one of the leisure activities we were allowed to do. And I think online sales of golf gear was quite strong as well. People, through um, unfortunate circumstances, fell in love with the game again. The casual golfer, what are we seeing behaviourally there? Well, you're probably getting a little bit out of my remit in terms of um, that the casual golfer will, but, but I have kept uh, my eye on it because it has been interesting. I I did wonder if, um, as the borders opened up, if we might see a drop-off there. But, in fact, we haven't. The, the numbers are we're almost reaching um, peak numbers. I think we're over 132,000 members of golf clubs around New Zealand. The numbers continue to increase, and we're only just coming into spring, summer now. So, um, you know, it's, it's looking really strong. And people are, uh, the clubs are still in people's hands. Like you say, the online sales are up. Um, people are really enjoying the golf. They're falling back in love with it, which is you know, cool. Just for general participation, people really see the benefits of um, across the board, whether it's social or a um, bit of competitive play, but um, getting out in the sunshine and, and having a hit. Perfect. Yes, well, I found my way to the driving range for a first time in about 18 months on Sunday. Me and producer Sammy went out and hit 100 balls, and it was, uh, Very it's, good. it's re-wet my appetite as well. I have to get that little steel wall stuff off to get the rust spots off the shaft, though. That's how long it's been since I've been out of the bag. Hey, Greg, uh, fantastic to talk to you. Uh, uh, golf's in a really good heart, and it's making great viewing and uh, making a lot of New Zealanders proud with uh, all of our high-performing people around the world. Um, thanks for joining us today.
Thank you for having me. Cheers, Greg Thorpe there. He's the High Performance Director at Golf New Zealand. Um, we'll take a break for new sport and weather and uh, stick around, we'll come back. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.